the show all about the South. Welcome into the Thursday edition with your host, John Rawl. And just like Willie Nelson once sang, we're on the road. And we are in Oxford, Mississippi today and Friday. So we encourage you to track us down at the Pizza Den in Oxford, Mississippi. If you happen to catch us today, we'll be happy to uh, welcome you in. We've got actually a peanut gallery joining us right now over here. They're munching on great food. But want to thank all the folks here at Pizza Den and some great friends of mine who stopped by. Of course, Oxford, a town that I lived in for about 15 years and a, a great spot in North Mississippi. And we'll be coming here periodically in the history of this show. Well, we're here partly today, not only for me to get to Oxford, but to catch up with an old friend. Danny Toma is joining me today as a co-host. And in addition to being... I know they had that commercial a few years ago on TV where it was the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> now, Danny, they didn't have you in that commercial, but they should have. Well, not yet anyway. Yet. Well, well. <laughs> Danny is a guy who's literally been around the world more than once, and we're going to talk to him about his career working in the U.S. Department of State, but he also wrote a brand new book called America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine, and that's on Regnery Press, and I look forward to telling folks about the book and asking you about it as we move along in today's y'all show but we first of all thank you for coming on the y'all well, show well thank you for having me on i'm enjoying it i always enjoy any opportunity to come to pizza den a lot of people don't realize that uh, pizza den is actually the second oldest restaurant in oxford how about it's that? been in its uh here since about 2005 but it moved over from university avenue where it opened up in 1966 first place in oxford mississippi to serve pizza and let me try to impress you here on the y'all show with my knowledge of this town i bet the oldest restaurant in oxford is the beacon it is indeed <laughs> hey where's my applause <laughs> yeah 1959 the beacon but so pizza den just followed it up by seven years later all right well it's a great place and we're glad that they were kind enough to let us come in here today and do the y'all show and when you're in oxford mississippi Check out the Beacon and Pizza Den, two completely different cuisines, Absolutely. but great traditions in, in Oxford and something that I've been, uh, they've gotten a lot of my money through the decades, <laughs> both of those places. Well, Danny, we're going to talk to you about your book. We're going to learn more about you, but let's first here on the Y'all Show, we start our show off with headlines. And today, since you are kind enough to co-host the show with me today, we're going to go through some of the headlines and feel free. And I encourage you to chime in if you have an opinion sure. and then Later this hour, we're going to get in more into what you've done as a career and this book all about Donald Trump, which is perfect timing. Your book is America First and Trump we saw this week at the United Nations in New York City, and I want to get your input on that as well. But we start today, Danny, we're talking about another storm brewing in the Atlantic Ocean as Kirk. Have you heard of Kirk? I know. I haven't been following. I've been doing a lot of radio and everybody's asked me just about everything else but the weather. All uh, right. But I do have opinions on the weather as okay, well. Okay. Well, so. good, good. We, we need that. I don't know if you're a meteorologist, but you should be. <laughs> Kirk has reformed. It actually kind of dissipated. Now it's reformed as a tropical storm in the eastern Caribbean, and forecasters say it's gaining strength. The system was downgraded to a depression earlier this week, but now it's reorganized and moving and a storm warning is in effect in Barbados, St. Lucia, Dominica, and other islands down in the Caribbean. Forecasters say some spots get as much as 10 inches of rain. The projected path for a Kirk shows it weakening a little bit, but it's kind of on a southward journey. And sadly, I want to ask you about this place. It's one of our parts of our great country. Puerto Rico mm -hmm. could be affected by 
Kirk, as well as Cuba and Jamaica. So in your experience, have you worked in Puerto Rico before? No, I mean, I've been down there just as a tourist like everybody else, although it's been 20-some years. I have been in the Caribbean um, just for some temporary jobs, both in the Dominican Republic and in, in Cuba. Yeah, I'm going to uh, ask you more about Cuba because you just went to Cuba in the last two years, A couple right? years ago. Huh? Yeah, and right after we made, you know, we made nice, I guess. Well, the term. yeah. I mean, that's, it's it's a bit of a long story, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's it's an interesting place uh, for, for a lot of reasons. Now, if if we're going to have you on the y'all show and you've got headphones on, I want to make sure you're hearing me okay because that's what Cuba was accused of doing to our <laughs> <laughs> officials down there. Yeah, I, w- I was I was right down there before all that happened, but they you know they did follow up with all of us who had done some temporary assignments. I retired, but since retirement, have done some. Temporary jobs uh, for the State Department overseas as as the need arose, and they had a need for some people to do some visa work in Cuba um, back a couple of years ago. And I also helped out with the, the presidential visit down there with the previous administration. Sure. Well, so. well, we'll get into all that. I was fascinated when you told me a couple of years ago that you were going to be working in Cuba for a while, and that was right when the the maneuvers were going on yeah. to, to make that happen for you. So. Glad you're back here, though. Yes, indeed. So am I. Now, we talked about Kirk forming in the Caribbean. Hurricane Florence, there's some good news. If there's any good news that's come out of Hurricane Florence in the Carolinas, it is now evidently not going to be quite as bad in South Carolina as forecasters thought. The floodwaters appear to be a little less, and that's great news, especially now that most of that water has gone into South Carolina, Georgetown, South Carolina. We mentioned on our show earlier this week has four rivers feeding into it right there. It has a harbor, and it appears that one of the rivers, the Waccamaw River, it won't be quite as bad into that part of South Carolina. But, again, just terrible floods, and the Carolinians are having to endure that. Well, you know, do do you get the impression that there are some people in the media that were disappointed that Florence wasn't as bad as they thought it would be? You know, there was so much hype with Florence. And, of course, obviously a hurricane you need to take seriously. Yeah. But um, it seems like they were purposely making it out to be worse than it was going to be. Um, well, what, I, I think, think they were being that? proactive. I mean, I know in South Carolina, Governor McMaster went out early in that week and ordered just about every coastal area, even all the way inland to Columbia, to evacuate. Right, right. And, and, and that included like Hilton Head. And they didn't. I don't think they had a tree, a leaf fall off a tree in Hilton Head, but yeah, yeah, he was being proactive. No, I understand that. I understand that from a from a uh, uh, you know public safety perspective. But, but beca- I'm, because I'm of that, media, whenever you know? the when a governor orders such an evacuation, I can understand the media jumping on board and kind of making a big deal out of it too. I'm sorry, Danny. You know, I think we're all a little bit more on the conservative scale here. I think the media really doesn't want to cover. Florence or anything else. They just want to talk about Trump and well, investigations and all the other stuff yeah, going on well, in Washington, D.C. Except insofar as uh, maybe spinning a disaster to make it look like it's Trump's fault, which some of them did. In fact, oh, well, really? there were several There were several of them said, you know, the whole reason we're even having Florence, this is before we hit, is because uh, Trump pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accords. Uh, I don't know if you saw some of those reports there. No, I didn't uh, see that. So anything that happens, if it's bad, then it's obviously Trump's fault. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you wrote a book about Trump. (laughs) Perfect timing here on the Y'all Show. Speaking of Hurricane Florence, it's now come out that the hurricane, which turned into more of a flood than a hurricane, it's now the nation's second rainiest storm in 70 years in a rainfall calculation. That's a lot of rain. Uh, And I think it was Harvey that exceeded that. Harvey, of course, hit last year in the Florida and Carolinas and Georgia area. 
So very rainy, and I know I, I was actually in a restaurant on my way here to Oxford today, and a good old boy, I think he may have been a plumber, he was sitting in the table in front of me, <laughs> and he was talking to somebody, eavesdropping. Are you guilty of eavesdropping ever? I, I'm, I, not officially. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was sitting there trying to work, and I, I couldn't help, help but overhear the conversation. And he actually quoted a line from a, a pretty famous song from years ago, Rainy Night in Georgia. <laughs> he said, it's raining all over the world, and it kind of feels that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess with all that rain, then uh, Florence would definitely meet the, the definition of a frog strangler then. Oh, yeah. Well, I know in other parts of the South, in the Mid-South, I know they've had lots of flooding and issues in Tennessee. Mississippi's had a lot of rain. We talked on the show earlier this week in Arkansas they're really concerned there about the crops. It's cotton picking time mm -hmm. and soybean time, and that probably is the case in a lot of our southern states. Mm -hmm. And with so much rain, it's, it's hard to get out there and make money doing that. That's right. So we'll keep our eye on Mother Nature, but luckily, hopefully that will uh, end pretty soon. Here's a sad story coming from Arkansas. As the state medical examiner in Little Rock has ruled that a Memphis woman over the summer committed murder and suicide by driving herself and her two sons into the Mississippi River in West Memphis. I remember when that happened, it seemed very strange, but now Arkansas's medical examiner has determined that it was a purposeful murder-suicide, and she ended up killing herself as well as her seven-year-old son and another two-year-old son who died in this July accident in West Memphis. So that is sad news coming from there. A West Texas man has been accused of beating his one-year-old daughter and then gluing her mouth and eyes shut. Hmm. This happened in El Paso. 29-year-old Johnny Lee Carter was being held this week on a charge of injury to a child causing serious bodily injury, and he was arrested, and now he faces extradition to Odessa, Texas. And Odessa police responded to a domestic disturbance incident back on September 16th, and he fled, but now he's been captured there in West Texas. All right, to a little bit more interesting news and sad news and horrible news, like we just said with you, Danny. We're here to be positive today. I hope that's okay. We'll try to be positive as much as we can. Alabama, tell me how this is perceived around the world since you've been all over the world. The state of Alabama is now revisiting the Ten Commandments, and they're hoping that the appointment of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, if that happens, will help in their effort to promote the Ten Commandments. Are you familiar with what all's happening? Yeah, I'm, I'm for them. I, I'm, okay. For the record, I, I am for the Ten Commandments. I'm okay. in favor of that. <laughs> not nine, not 11. You're, you're okay I'm, I'm with all, ten. I think we should stick with the ten, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they had a rally this week in Alabama. Of course, Judge Moore there had that statue of the right. Ten Commandments that they removed in Montgomery years ago. And if this... Uh, ends up happening where Kavanaugh becomes a Supreme Court justice. I guess there's been a ruling by the Supreme Court at some point, and maybe the display of the Ten Commandments isn't legally allowed. That I, I'm not familiar with that decision. Well, these people hope that the Ten Commandments, who are pushing for this in Alabama, hope that the commandments will be displayed in schools and other public property across the state of Alabama. I ask you this question as a fellow who's been all over the world, mm -hmm. because we want to put our southern spin on things, but, hey, I like to live very vicariously through you, <laughs> What is the most religious country you found? Oh, that's a good question. And, and, and uh, from a Christian standpoint. Yeah, I would probably say, of all the places I've been, I would say Poland. Really? Um, Poland even, and I was, um, now I served there back in the 90s. You hear that, Alabama? Poland's more Poland. <laughs> Christian than you. Uh, um, you know, when, um, but I, I visited uh, about 
five years ago was the last time. But on Sundays, the churches are full. And I mean, I mean, standing room only. And, um, and while attendance is down somewhat like it is all over the West, it's still very high, not just by European standards, but even by U.S. standards. I don't know what the figures are, but just anecdotally, when you go to Poland, um, you know, you better get to church earlier. You're not going to get a place to sit down. The other thing is, too, um, it used to be, I remember when I was, this is 20 years ago, but I remember going around, I was on my way to an official engagement. And um, so I was with a driver, and we were going out in the middle of nowhere, out in the sticks. And the driver pointed out this road. He said, oh, there's a beautiful wooden church down that road. He said, he said back during communism, they used to call that the commie church. Really? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, that's because the Communist Party members from Krakow that wanted to get their children baptized would come out here so that no one could see them do it. So, you know, back then, even during the worst days of communism, even some of the uh, Communist Party officials were secret Christians on the side. Um, obviously, like everything else in the West, attendance is down. But by, by European standards, I mean, I guess Poland is still very religious and has a government in power that's resisting some of the anti um, Christian directives that are coming out of Brussels. You know, they're asserting their independence, um, you know, while wanting to co- certainly cooperate with the European Union on mm-hmm. economic policies and uh, policies that better off everybody, you know, on that continent when some of the more overtly secular initiatives and uh, that go against what they think is right for their country, they're standing up against them. We're talking today with Danny Tama, author of the book America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine. And, of course, before becoming an author, uh, he worked for the U.S. Department of State all over the world where he was a foreign service officer. So were you kind of a James Bond for the U.S.? Um, Well, not exactly. Um, (laughs) But uh, what I did do as a Foreign Service officer, we're what they call generalists. I mean, we have our area of specialty, but we can be called on to do any job. My area of specialty was mainly um, what we call consular affairs, which Mm -hmm. is visas, you know, border security, uh, passports, assisting American citizens abroad. But I also did other things like political reporting, economic reporting, management and served for almost a year and a half on a provincial reconstruction team, a PRT, in southern Iraq during the war effort there. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, so you were in Iraq when fighting was going on, right? Well, yeah, we, yeah, we, got, we got rocketed on a regular basis while really? I was there. Yeah. How about that? Well, we're going to learn more about your background. And he is a native southerner. Or what's your home state? Well, you know, my, I'm southern from my mother's side. I'm a product of a mixed marriage, you see. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes, my, 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 my father is, is, is from Indiana. Oh, gosh. Uh, my mother's side of the family. My mother has deep roots in, in, in Louisiana, Mississippi. So I ended up being born in Arizona, but uh, have been back here since my teens, other okay. than when I've been overseas. Okay. So you would pick the South over other parts of the country? I would, if you I had, would indeed. If you had to pick. Uh, and I, I did have to pick since, uh, you know, when I finished the Foreign Service, I had to come back to somewhere, and I chose to come back to Mississippi. All right, and you could have gone anywhere in the world. I could have gone anywhere in the world. What country would you live in if you had to live outside of the U.S.? Where Ooh, would you live? That's a good question. Um, well, you that's know, that's why we're here on the All Show. This <laughs> that's is right. it's all about Danny good. Toma, this is your life. <laughs> it's all about good questions. Um, I really enjoy Italy. Um, and um, uh, Italian is probably my best language after after English. I mean, it definitely is. Well, feel free to switch over. If have you need a, <laughs> have a lot of friends over there, and um, but I also enjoyed my time in Ireland. Uh, so probably one of those two countries, Italy or Ireland. Poland's a great place too. Um, Poland Polish though, while I speak it, is a really tough language. So 
that would be one one drawback. And another thing I'm envious of, besides the fact that you've been all over the world and have all these great stories, you got a German wife. Yeah, well, she well, she's actually it's interesting. She actually was born in what's now the Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia, then, and uh, she she um, and her family fled when she was nine years old after the Russians came in okay. after the Prague Spring in '68. So they fled to Germany, and uh, she became a German citizen. But uh, yeah, she grew up in Germany, and we met though here in Oxford, Mississippi. At really? Because she was a graduate student here. Where is she from in Germany? Uh, Cologne. Cologne? Yeah, Cologne. That's All right. right. So uh, I speak a little German. That's about the only foreign language. That <laughs> that and Southern are my two foreign languages. How's your pig Latin? Uh, not very good. <laughs> not very good. All right, let's get back into headlines. we got a lot more to talk about. I knew this would be a fun show, and if you're listening to us today, we appreciate it. Bear with me here. Maybe you're getting a little Ph.D. in the world here on the Y'all Show. We, we normally focus on the South, but we're taking it global with thanks to Danny and his new book, too, that we'll get into here on the show Phil Bredesen, are you familiar with Phil Bredesen? Yes. Former governor of Tennessee and former Nashville mayor. Well, he's running for U.S. Senate, and he's running up. You're going to hate this. He's running against a Mississippi State Bulldog alum. And I met her in Iraq. Marsha Blackburn. I did. She came. She... Where's our cowbells here in Oxford? <laughs> <laughs> she, came, she came out. She was When I was down in, in Basra in southern Iraq, we had one congressional delegation or codel as we call them to come out there and she was part of that really and yeah you know, and i knew you know having looked up something about her i knew i believe she's from laurel mississippi she is and uh i looked up something about her and so we had a we had a nice little chat and she seemed like a really good person despite the fact that she went to mississippi state <laughs> <laughs> well she's running for u.s senate she's in a real battle as bredesen and and blackburn are kind of neck and neck right now well bredesen came out this week and said if he is elected to be the next U.S. Senator for the Volunteer State that he won't support Chuck Schumer for the leadership position in the U.S. Senate. So kind of getting out there on a limb, in my opinion. Well, you know, it's probably a really tough decision to make, seeing how such a broad base of support Chuck Schumer probably has in Tennessee, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad he at least said that. Yeah, I'm sure Schumer's got more support here in Mississippi. All right. Well, that is a little bit of the political. We get laughter in the audience for that. Chuck hadn't been around Oxford lately? Not that I've seen. Okay. We just don't frequent the same circles, I guess. Well, how about this? These two teams in the Volunteer State are normally rivals, but medically speaking, now they're going to be best of friends as the University of Tennessee Medical Center and Vanderbilt University Medical Center have announced a partnership where they're going to hopefully improve the quality of hair and reduce costs across Tennessee. So good news there. You know, these medical centers and universities, even here at the University of Mississippi, they don't have a branch here in Oxford, but they've got Down one in Jackson, yeah. Jackson and Grenada and more. And it's big business. And Vanderbilt's got a footprint even outside of Nashville. In Jackson, Tennessee, they have a clinic. And, of course, the University of Tennessee Medical Center. I'm kind of confused because they got something in Memphis for the University of Tennessee, which is like the medical school. Oh, that's right, yeah. But then they have a medical presence in knoxville that i think is like a hospital system so i don't i don't know if that's a teaching deal or what I, that's my ignorance here of the university of tennessee's medical what they offer there but tennessee and vandy teaming up in the volunteer state hoping to make a difference to the lives of tennesseans who need health care moving on we told you on wednesdays y'all have you ever been to lambert's cafe in sykeston missouri no i you know i just passed by there uh my daughter is is um 
currently in, in Ireland, actually. We're talking about people going overseas. My three boys all went to Ole Miss, but my daughter decided to study art in Ireland. And um, huh. so Tough gig. Well, you know, the, it's also not really cheap to do that. So we were trying Tough to cut, on you. cut costs as much as we could. And wow, airlines, wow, airlines. And Icelandic Airlines is a budget airlines, and they fly out of St. Louis. Uh, and you can fly out of there for about uh, half the price really? uh, uh, from anywhere else. So we drove up there. And I uh, passed right by Sykeson, but I've been hearing about Lambert's for years and have always wanted to go there. And I'm thinking that maybe when we pick her up for Christmas time, that maybe we'll have to make a stop. Well, we were talking about Lambert's on the Wednesday, y'all, because the owner of that son got into some problems with some sexual type charges being levied against him this week. Well, now you have Louisiana connections, so maybe you can help me pronounce his last name. It sounds like a really good Louisiana name. <laughs> Pascal Calogero III. Okay. Did, did, how did I do on that? Pretty close, yeah. All right. Well, he's the son of a retired Louisiana Supreme Court Chief Justice who has the name Pascal Calogero Jr. He was charged yesterday with conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of a minor, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office there in Louisiana. So mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more, you know, with Kavanaugh and the hearings going on in Washington, that this whole sexual topic is all over is this all over the world this is is a sexual crime something that you, you've seen all over the world i think you know obviously it takes place all over the world i think um you know it, whenever there's a big story of whatever the case may be i think there's a tendency to focus on any fallout from that story and similarly related stories so i think with one of the one of the you might say positive outgrowths of this whole um uh, movement uh, against sexual assault is uh, people are paying a little bit more attention to that rather than just sort of sweeping it under the rug. Right. Well, this man, Cal Giro down in Louisiana, he's 59 years old and he's accused of paying for sex with a 14-year-old girl. Mm. So the attorney's office in Louisiana looking into that matter. We're going to go to a break here on the Y'all Show. We'll continue our conversation with Danny Toma, our special co-host on today's show. We've got more headlines and we're going to tell you more about his book, America first. We're y'all first and we're America first here on this program. We'll be right back. Can you send us the break? Tell the folks to stay tuned and come back to the y'all show. Can you say that in Italian? Oh, uh, si. Se, se potete rimanere in linea e torniamo presto con più informazioni sul y'all show. Okay, what he said. <laughs> Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Every year, thousands overpay for a used car. They're left feeling disappointed, ashamed, and alone. Traditional pricing books only add to the confusion, offering only guesstimates and ranges. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I've never felt more alive. 
Disclaimer. Geico cannot guarantee you will feel more alive. You either possess functioning respiratory and circulatory systems, or you do not, or you are a zombie. If you are indeed a brain-starved zombie and you would like to save money on car insurance, the Geico legal team applauds your excellent life choices, even in your shambling afterlife. But we strongly encourage you to visit Geico.com or download the Geico app. Please stay a minimum of 500 feet away from our large and presumably delicious, delicious brains. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Y'all talk with a southern accent. Welcome back to this show on location in Oxford, Mississippi, USA. John Rawl, your host. I got Danny Toma, author of the book, America First. Understanding the Trump Doctrine. We'll talk to him more about his book momentarily, but we're continuing to go through the maneuvers of the region and more here on today's Y'all Show. If you want to get in touch with us, simple way to do that. Our number is 803-816-1170, 803-816-1170. We're going to talk about the Trump Doctrine, but just because it's kind of the breaking news from Wednesday you had a chance to see President Trump in front of the United Nations? Right, yeah, on, on the television, yeah, like everybody else, but I did. And uh, he gave, I think, was an outstanding speech. Everybody's focused on that one little bit where people in the audience laugh, but um, if you go... What did and, he say that made him laugh? Uh, he just talked about how he had um, done more in the first year and a half of his presidency than uh, most of his predecessors had had done in their presidencies, and... Um, I guess the uh, the bureaucrats in the United Nations didn't necessarily agree with that. I thought he handled it very graciously. Um, he said, uh, not the response I was expecting, but that's okay, and then just moved on. But if you go look at that speech, um, you know, if I had to rewrite my book, America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine, today, yeah. I'd take that speech and put that as a preface right there in the book because it sort of summed it up right there. And the the you might what he said there was, we're going to, you know, we're going to take care of Americans first. Now, that doesn't mean we think we're better than you. He, in fact, he came out and said, we're not going to tell you, and this is almost an exact quote, how to live your life, how to work or how to worship. But at the same time, we expect you to honor our sovereignty as we honor yours. So in other words, it's not just about putting America first. It's about the French putting France first. It's about the South Africans putting South Africa first. The, the Colombians put in Colombia first. Because he said each one of these countries has its own traditions, its own ways of doing things. And by looking out for our own countries, we can work together to make the world a better place. And I thought to myself, you know, everybody's told us, we've heard from the left-wing media all this long how Trump is some sort of xenophobe and nativist and racist and so on. Yet, in a way that I have not heard a president say in a long time, he's saying, we're taking care of our people because that's our job, and, and you take care of your people because that's your job, because we all have value, we all have things to offer, and we all have our own ways of doing things, and we shouldn't be telling each other what to do. I thought that was outstanding. All right. Well, again, we encourage everybody to go check out Danny Thomas' book that's out right now. It came out what day? came out on September 11th. Um, so it was uh, with Regnery Press. 
go to your local bookstore. I'm a big local bookstore guy. I'm here in Oxford. We have a great bookstore in Square Books, and I know that they signed a bunch of them for them, so they've got them there. Uh, go to your local bookstore, and if you can't do that or if it's not available, you can go online. You find it at Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Walmart, Books A Million, and a number of other ones. And if you don't feel like reading the book, they also have it available as an audiobook, and, of course, it's available on Kindle as well. So um, we try to make it as widely available as possible. Yeah, well, that's smart. Now, was this, this was your first book? My Well, it's, yeah, my first published book, you might say. Okay. Um, it is. It came out, and um, appreciate Regnery Press putting it out. It got, some, it got some good reviews as it came out. And the one thing for, for, for the listeners out there thinking, oh, well, I don't think if I want to read a book about foreign policy, um, there, this is not a heavy read. Uh, there's, it's a serious topic. There's a lot of serious stuff in there. There's some fun stuff in there. I did a reading here in Oxford, and um, people laughed out loud. And what's even more important than that, they laughed out loud in the places where I wanted them to laugh out loud. So that was that was good. Um, so it's it's an, a relatively easy read. This is something you can read uh, both to inform yourself about world affairs, but also to have a little bit of fun. At least I hope so, and that's what people have told me. Was it fun to write? Yeah, you know... Um, this was not this again. This was not written for academia. You know, I'm I'm. I mean, there's footnotes in it, obviously, but um, this this was not a scholarly treatise. <laughs> this was designed for uh, as they put as one of the um, introductions to my book said. Uh, this is designed for the people who scratch their heads at the mention of South Ossetia or Kurdistan, wondering where those places are. So. Uh, I wrote it at kind of two levels. If you don't know anything at all about foreign affairs, then this book is for you. On the other hand, if you know a lot about foreign affairs, then I think this book is also for you because I think there's some, I think I have some perspectives that are a little bit different from other people. Um, uh, it is about uh, Trump's doctrine, but it's not only about that. And in fact, probably about 20% of the book covers specifically things that Trump has done so, uh, and where he seems to be heading. The other 80% is a lot of background, like what is an interest? You know, we talk about defending our interests. Well, what does that mean? Got a whole chapter on that uh, with some examples. Uh, and cover a lot of history because one of the things that I found in Trump and one of the reasons I, I decided to write this book was I got really tired of, of people saying that Trump didn't have any first principles. You know, that anonymous op-ed writer for the New York Times, uh, assuming he really exists, um, said that... Um, uh, Trump lacked first principles, and I find that th to be completely not the case. His principles are America first. In other words, a foreign policy that defends uh, American lives, well-being, and prosperity and freedoms. Um, this is nothing less than the same foreign policy that was bequeathed to us by our founding fathers. So because of that, I went back and to explain to people, because the talking heads that you hear in the media are going to tell you, oh, he's doing something radically different. Oh, he's changing. He's completely deforming you know what america is all about read a little history folks this kind of america first foreign policy is what we were implementing from the time of washington all the way up into the 20th century and it's the kind of foreign policy that took us from a disjointed newly independent group of former british colonies to the greatest nation on the face of the earth and i think president trump sees that and realize that by implementing this foreign policy that looks out for our people rather than going around the world and telling people how things should be 
um, he not only makes America a safer, more secure, more prosperous place, but also the world a safer, secure, more prosperous place. Well, my own two pesos of opinion here, <laughs> if anybody wants to hear my opinion, I always found it a little bit disturbing during the Bush, George W. Bush years and Obama years that oftentimes when they'd go to these countries that you just pronounced that I'd never even heard of, and their justification for our, our being there, even in places like Afghanistan, well, we're, we're helping teach little kids how to read and we're letting women vote for the first time. Well, in parts of the world where they don't even really know much about the United States, the last thing they want probably is to have some kind of foreign power from thousands of miles away come in there and change their way of life that they've had since, well, since time began. Yeah, well, here's the thing. We, you know, each country, and, and, and Trump, President Trump pointed this out in his, in his UN speech. Each of us have our own traditions and ways of doing things. Yeah. Um, who's the best to judge if those are the right things for our people? We are. Who are the things? Who are the people to judge if they are right for people on the other side of the globe? The people on the other side of the globe. And you know, the one thing that gets me is you have a lot of so-called conservatives who, while at the same time, instinctively understand that if we've got a local problem here in Oxford, Mississippi, the people most competent to address it are people here in Mississippi rather than someone sitting in Washington. That's a conservative idea. People mm -hmm. on the ground close to the problem are the best equipped to address the problem right. or at least know what it's about. Um, these same conservatives who instinctively believe that somehow believe that these same bureaucracies in Washington that are incompetent to deal with problems in our communities in the United States are somehow endowed with superior wisdom when it comes to telling how to solve problems on the other side of the globe. There's a real disconnect there. You know, the traditional American foreign policy is conservative, just like our traditional domestic policy is. You know, you go to the lowest possible uh, level of authority to find solutions for the problems. We can help people. We can offer a hand uh, where we see it as important to do so, but we don't need to be going around dictating to people what they need to do. Right. And that seemed to be in the Bush years and Obama years, it was almost like, well, we've got to go change the world. Well, you know, we had, I address, there's a big section in my book uh, where I do address the whole issue of the Cold War. Um, a lot of scholars, on the, particularly on the left, but even on the right, will tell you, you know, in the Cold War, unlike after the First World War, we didn't retreat. And we went out and assumed our rightful place in the world where we should remain forever and ever. That's not exactly the case. The reason we were, became so involved internationally after the end of World War II is because we faced a threat, a direct threat, to our homeland in the Soviet Union and its communist allies. We faced a, a very insidious philosophy that saw, actively sought our destruction and destruction of our freedoms. And to confront that, we had to be involved internationally. We had to be on the front lines in Europe to keep the Soviet Union from moving through there and onto our own shores. What happened was we got so used to playing that role is when the Cold War ended, when the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, where we had the opportunity to reassess this um, active foreign policy um, internationally, rather than going back to the more traditional foreign policy that concentrated on what was going on our shores, we decided, hey, somehow we have now been anointed to right the wrongs of the entire world. And that doesn't work out. And one of the reasons it doesn't work out is that people don't like being saved from themselves. 
An example I've used before in a couple of, of talk shows. I have it's not in my book, but um, ooh, we're getting stuff. Getting this new stuff, new stuff, the follow up. I love it. Yeah. Um, imagine that after President Trump leaves office and we have a new president who's elected. And let's say, God forbid, that this new president came in and he decided he was going to suspend the Constitution, suspend all our freedoms, uh, start locking up people in gulags and, uh, and the whole works, you know, does complete the whole, uh, you know, 100 degree, 100% authoritarian. And let's say another country, let's say China, all right? Let's say China, for whatever reason, decides to uh, help the resistance to this taking away of our freedoms and reestablish constitutional authority in America. Now, this is all obviously just complete fantasy. I mean, this is this is I don't believe this is going to happen or anything like that. But just as an example, well, let's say the Chinese successfully helped this constitutional resistance in setting up, reestablishing our constitutional government. Now, we might be grateful to them for doing that, but if ten years later they were still in our country telling us what to do, we might just come to resent them even if we were appreciative of them coming in the first time. So when we go overseas and stay there and it becomes about what we're telling them to do, we become the issue. And that's been the problem, especially with our Middle Eastern policy over the last couple of decades. Danny Toma, I told you we'd all feel smarter about ourselves <laughs> by having him on today's show. And we're talking about his book, America First and More. Well, we've got more here in hour one to get to. In hour two, we're going to continue talking about Danny and his career. We're going to learn about his knowledge of history, something he and I have a great passion about. Also, you're a sports guy, right? To a degree, college level anyway. Well, we're in Oxford, Mississippi. Do we you, are. Do you know anything about the University of Mississippi sports teams? Well, you know, I do I do attend from time to time, like okay. every home game. Uh. Okay. Well, I'm going to get your take on what's going on with Matt Luke's program in our SEC spotlight that we All have. Right. on. Th- you didn't know you were going to sign up for sports I talk, did you? I certainly didn't. All right. Well, we're going to talk some LSU and Ole Miss All right. because that's the game this weekend in it Death is. Valley. And we'll also be delighted to be joined in a encore of our Ole Miss show that we produce for fans in the Magnolia State Hotty Toddy Hotline, the host of that show is A.C. Roberts, and he interviewed a, uh, I'm in Oxford, I guess I'm allowed to say this, a knucklehead LSU fan, because <laughs> I, I can say that. Now, if I were in Baton Rouge, I'd say just the opposite. But it's a fun interview, and you get to know more about the colorful way LSU fans treat the Ole Miss football game each year. TJ LSU Dad will be AC's special guest when we kind of do a listen in of Hotty Toddy Hotline coming up in hour two. And I'm going to get your, uh, you're, you're going to give us your expert analysis and pick for the winner of this game Saturday in Death Valley. All right. Well, you know, one thing I will warn while I have studied a lot of languages, I am not familiar with the language that Ed Orgeron speaks, so I won't be able to help you with that. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, pull that language card out again. You said you knew Polish. Give me some Polish. Oh, don't, oh, don't, don't, don't start right. with how, Polish. How about uh, German? Uh, a German, you, send us a break. Tell everybody stay tuned. When we come uh, back, we're going to keep talking about your book. I, I always say that Italian is Bitte. my only 3 a.m. language. Um, that It's the only one that you could wake me up at 3 a.m. and I could speak it. Uh, the other languages, I've got three other languages, but they're, they're ones I have to sort of prep myself. All right, well, let me help you get started. Mine and Dominant here in uh, Bitte. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, after the break, I uh, Bitte, <laughs> Herr Professor Danny Toma will be on. We got that coming up. And we got our gallery of great 
Southerners joining us here, and we'll talk about them too. They're American heroes, and we'll talk about them later in the show, uh, what they've done for our country. We'll talk about that as the Y'all Show rolls on from Oxford. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. Ever wonder why Europeans seem to speak so many languages? Maybe it's because they use Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Babbel's award-winning technology gets you speaking right away, whether you're learning Spanish, French, or German. And best of all, you'll remember what you've learned. I always thought I was bad at languages, but after using Babbel, I can tell you I was just taught the wrong way. Using Babbel's 10 to 15-minute lessons, you can be speaking confidently in your new language within weeks. I was amazed that I could start having real-life conversations right away. It was so fast. Now I'm speaking Spanish. Woohoo! <laughs> no wonder Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Try it for yourself and see why Babbel is the quick way to get conversational in a new language, like Spanish, French, or more. You can try Babbel for free. Download the app or text SKILL to 484848. Text SKILL to 484848 to try Babbel for free. That's S-K-I-L-L to 484848. We're back for the final segment of Hour One, the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent on Twitter. You can find us at Y'all Show. On Instagram, you can find us at The Y'all Show. And today on the program, we're doing something a little different. We're getting international, but we're going to bring it back to making the South all over the world, hopefully in Hour Two as we continue our discussion with Danny Tom, our special guest, author of the brand new book, called America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine. You need to check it out. Impress everybody at your next college football tailgate with your knowledge of the world if you pick up Danny's book. How about that? It's got a nice-looking nice cover, too, so, uh, you know, that, that goes with any kind of decor. All right, well, speaking of President Trump and speaking of Mississippi, hey, what are you doing Tuesday night of next week? Well, I don't know yet. Well, he's coming to Mississippi. He is. He's coming to South Haven. Isn't he's he? going to South Haven at the... DeSoto Civic Center, we announced this on Wednesday's Y'all Show. I just was making sure you were aware of that. I, I had heard something along those lines. You I'm might sure. want to go talk to him about his doctrine. Well, there you go. I, he, although he's probably more familiar with it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not so sure. But, hey, you know, one thing, if I can, again, throw in my two Deutschmarks <laughs> here of, of input, you know, he catches grief all the time from his opponents. And to his credit, he has not led us into some war where we've seen 5,000 people die, and we've got some Vietnam veterans. Those guys answered their call 50 years ago, and people now, the scholars, people like you can write about mistakes presidents made that perhaps they shouldn't have been over there. But Trump hasn't, as of now, yet led us to some bloodbath, and, and to his credit, his doctrine seems to be working there. You know, it's ironic. Here's the thing about it. Um, I see a lot of parallels between Trump and another uh, supposedly warmongering president that we had in Ronald Reagan. Um, Ronald Reagan also. There were some. There were some um, some minor military uh, activities. Um, we had the invasion of Grenada. There was uh, the tragic situation with the Marines in Lebanon. But Ronald Reagan, the one that the press told us was going to lead us to World War III, had a very restrained foreign policy overall. Especially when you compared what they what the press told us he would do. If you look at 
Donald Trump, you have a similar situation. The same press that a year and a half ago told us that Donald Trump was irresponsible and was going to get us involved in nuclear war on the Korean Peninsula, that same press is now coming around and saying that this president who was going to irresponsibly lead us to war is now irresponsibly leading us to peace. So, um, you know, what we have is a this is a good example of, of the results of an America first foreign policy. We need a military, the, a military capability that is second to none. We need a diplomatic capability that's second to none. And we need to, to be able to use those to counter threats all the way up to and including war. But war is always the last result. And if you can solve things without resorting to that, that's always better. Um, so nothing's off the table, but the focus is on American interests, America first, the life the liberty and the prosperity of our own citizens and where you have clear principles, where you have clear ideas of what you're about, then you can measure the success or failure of your foreign policy. The problem we've had with recent presidents, Democrat and Republican alike, is we have not had a clear policy. And when you don't have a clear end game, it's really hard to measure whether you're winning or not. Well, Danny, we need to take a slight pause from this serious talk for a minute and get into what's really important in the world, and that's the voice on NBC. <laughs> As a Germantown Tennessean is now getting his shot on the popular vocal competition, Keith Peluso advanced to the next round of The Voice this week, and he's saying, we down, way down we go. I'm not familiar with that song. Have you heard no, that? I'm not, I'm not. Okay. He's got Blake Shelton as his coach. And they're hoping to win this latest season of The Voice. And Peluso is the natural resource manager at Germantown Parks and Rec. So good job there. I haven't heard him singing yet, but that is uh, something to tune in. i got a southern connection on The Voice. How's your singing voice? Um, well, I do a little singing, but I, I am not going to do it right here. <laughs> well, I don't know if you are an American or The Voice viewer, but perhaps maybe your Czech slash German wife has got you watching TV shows like Fixer Upper. Actually, my daughter is a big Fixer Upper fan. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the, the host of that show, they're in the news because Chip and Joanna Gaines are allowing a church in Waco, Texas to come in and use their property at the silos for the church services while this church is undergoing road construction. Hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't watch Fixer Upper, but it was really weird a couple of years ago when all of a sudden you started seeing Joanna Gaines's picture everywhere. It mm -hmm. was like you couldn't escape. Maybe you saw her picture when you were around the world. No, not so much there. Uh, I, I, and I don't I actually don't watch a lot of television except for I do like watch, I like watching crime shows for some reason. But <laughs> um, but other than that, I don't watch a lot of, except when someone else is looking at something. And I, I only knew about, about Fixer Upper because of, that was one, that's my daughter's, one of my daughter's favorite shows. All right. Well, again, Chip and Joanna Gaines helping out the church under the bridge in Waco, Texas, by getting letting them have some space while they have to uh, undergo some road work, evidently, next to the church. And that's a look at what's going on in the Southland here as we conclude Hour 1 of today's Y'all Show. When we come back in Hour 2, we'll continue talking with Danny Tom, our special co-host today. We're going to talk about the South and its impact on the entire world. Yes, he's got a book about Trump, but I want to know about America's impact and the Southern part of that around the world. And Danny, I know one time I heard you talk about Southern Italy. Yeah. 
We'll talk about that when we come back. It's going to be a really neat connection to the South. And then we'll talk some Ole Miss football with Danny. That's not asking too much, is it? Not at all. All right, we'll talk about that. And we'll continue to talk about his brand new book, America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine. That's all ahead in hour two of the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawls. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Every year, thousands overpay for a used car. They're left feeling disappointed, ashamed, and alone. Traditional pricing books only add to the confusion, offering only guesstimates and ranges. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Hey there, I'm a glue stick, so I have one job. I glue kids stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick. Miss Lydia! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. We are back on the Y'all Show for Hour 2 as we are on location at the Pizza Den in Oxford, Mississippi. I'm John Rawl and I'm joined today as a special treat. We've got Danny Toma, author of the brand new book, America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine. And we're going to continue talking about his book here in Hour 2. We're going to talk some Ole Miss football with Danny. He's an alum of the University of Mississippi. Double alum. Double alum. All right. I'm just a single alum. (laughs) And so we'll talk about degrees and such uh, later (laughs) this hour. And we'll talk football. And, again, we'll continue talking about the new book, America First. We appreciate the folks who've shown up here at Pizza Den, a great spot on the west side of Oxford. I love the pizza here. They've got great stromboli and more. Just a really great, legendary place in Oxford, Mississippi. Want to thank Butch Harris for coming by. If folks don't know who Butch is, if you've ever been to an Ole Miss game in the last 12 years or so, you've seen a guy who looks like Colonel Reb, but it's the real-life version of Colonel Reb walking around. Well, that's Butch, and he's been a great friend of mine for many, many years, and he's here along with Colonel Lee Jones, who's been a great fan and supporter and very, very much was a cheerleader for me in some of my darkest days of being a magazine publisher. He would make me say, well, maybe this is worth doing, Y'all Magazine, back in the 2000s. So appreciate both of these guys coming out. One is a retired U.S. Army colonel, and Butch has retired from the University of Mississippi, but both 
as I said earlier in hour one, American heroes having both served in Vietnam back in the 1960s. And we, gentlemen, we appreciate your service. And all of our listeners who've served our country, no matter if it was Vietnam, we still got World War II veterans out there, Korea, and the, the heroes of today who are out there. Anytime you suit up, or even in Danny's case, you didn't suit up, I don't think. No, but, I mean, we, we had to put on the armor and but stuff. But you could have been killed, but, uh, or even we, worse. We, we, we suited up in coats and ties when we did ours yeah, with, a, with a little you, bit of, with a flak jacket and a helmet over the top. The bad guys would have loved to have gotten you if, if they'd had a their way, right? Well, I suppose so. Although I'm not, I'm not sure what they would have gotten out of it, though. Well, it's just an, another, <laughs> another dead yank, and uh, but that might offend you, calling you a Yankee here <laughs> on the y'all show. We're going to talk some Ole Miss football with Danny as we roll on with this show. But uh, let's let's talk about the South. And again, thank you to all of our listeners, wherever you might be in the South and around the world. Perhaps because of Danny's book, we're going to have listeners and. Rattle off some of these crazy countries I know you've been working in in the last couple well, of years. Well, um, you know, I've, I've done, you know, full tours in, in Italy, in Poland, in Israel, Ireland, Germany, Iraq, as we mentioned before. Uh, done short-term assignments in, let's see, China, El Salvador, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Greece, Czech Republic, Moldova and India. And he does not have that written out on a card that he's looking at here. <laughs> it's all by memory. Well, and, that's because I was there. So okay. I could, yeah. <laughs> and in case you're wondering, like, what is this Danny Toma guy? Is he a drug dealer? <laughs> no, he was a foreign service officer for the U.S. Department of State, and he retired in 2014 after more than 22 years mm-hmm. on the job. So my question to you, Danny, why would you retire? Well, you know, it's it's – I always tell people, they say, what's the best thing about the Foreign Service and what's the worst thing about the Foreign Service? And I always tell them, the best thing about the Foreign Service is that you get to move around every couple of years to a new place and discover a new culture and learn new things. The worst thing about the Foreign Service is that you have to move around every couple of years to a new place and have to learn new things. So, you know, it's a two-edged sword. Uh, I really enjoyed my time in the Foreign Service, really enjoyed the opportunity to get out, but I was also glad to get back home and do things like go to Ole Miss football games. Sure. Well, let me ask you this question, because I'm a guy who's only been to Europe on two occasions, and that's the only time I've gone out of the country. And I still don't understand how passports work. Can you oh. break it down real simple, since I know you've worked? Yeah, in you that. know, of and, course. And, and in today's world, 2018, mm-hmm. how come some little paper document, how can that really be relevant? Well, now all uh, uh, nearly all passports that are issued anywhere in the world are, are what we call uh, – uh, at a minimum, machine readable, and a lot of them now have the uh, have the chip, which has the, and it, unless people get the wrong idea about what's on that chip, the if you look at your first page of your passport information, that's the same information that's on your chip. So there's not anything secret in there, um, but they're identity documents. You know, uh, a passport is proof of your citizenship, and um, how hard is it to fake a passport? Anymore, it's it's. I mean, it it, it can be done, but. Um, you know they're 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 trying to stay ahead of the forgers, and that's the best you can do. Okay, is just stay one step ahead of them. Um, actually, forging a U.S. passport at this point in time is relatively difficult because of all the electronics and so on. It's much easier in the actual printed in the actual passport. Yeah, there's there are wires and everything else in there. Um, I did not know yeah, that. They're e-passports, we call them. But um, actually, forging. I mean, when I first came in the Foreign Service. Uh, Overseas produced passports had a, a an actual photo that was affixed to it, you know, by fancy means and everything like that. So back then you were doing photo substitution uh, for, for passports. That's a lot harder to do now. So w- what's 
easier to do now is to try to obtain a legitimate passport through fraudulent means. Um, because anytime you're sort of creating a passport, a fake passport, yeah. uh, there's a lot of ways to recognize that. And if somebody picks out one flaw in it, you, you know, you're messed up. So it's a whole lot more um, efficient to try to get an imposter or try to get somebody with fake documents to get the real thing in hand. And that's where really a lot of the anti-fraud efforts go into is identifying those imposters who are trying to get, say, U.S. passports who are not entitled to them. Passport talk. <laughs> Our listeners had no idea what they were signing up for when we brought you on here today, Danny Toma. And there's lots of passport agencies right here in the south. I mean, we've got a big one in Charleston. we got one down in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, so uh, over in Houston, uh, they yeah. got a passport agency there. So I'll tell you, the passport, if you haven't looked at your passport lately, it has something I've never seen anywhere else. And I like it. I'm envious. I'd like to have it on a T-shirt. The symbols for each state that are in a U.S. In a US passport, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Those images of the state seals, I've never seen that same image anywhere else. And it looks better than the actual seals. And, you know, and they change, you know, and if you wonder why they, they change the, the images in the passport from time to time and from year to year, it's specifically that because you got to stay one step ahead okay. of the forgers. Uh, if you want to, by the time they can catch up with the technology, we've already moved on to something else. Now, my next question, Danny, I really need you to help us out on this. What can we do to limit the influx of people crossing the borders well, into the south from the north? Building the walls a start. Um, on the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the second one we'll do. You know, The thing about it is... No, I don't care about the one on the southern border. <laughs> let, let, let's put one up around Kentucky. <laughs> Ohio River is not wide enough. Well, you know, the one thing about it is... Um, I mentioned before I did a temporary job in, in El Sorry, Salvador. Sorry, all our Yankee listeners. <laughs> our El Salvador. And uh, just heard anecdotally from a number of people, you know, who were wanting to visit relatives in the States or um, had someone in the States that they were wondering about. And the question I would ask was, how did they get there? And in a lot of cases, it's that, well, they walked across the southern border. Hmm. You know, there are places where that border is... Um, well-guarded, particularly at, at, in major cities. Uh, I found it interesting that the city of San Diego, the city council of San Diego, about a year or so, went on record as being against Trump's proposed border wall, yet San Diego is one of those places where they actually do have a wall Yeah, uh, that's been there for quite some time. Uh, so that's one of these things where we're all for a wall when it comes to our community. We just don't want other communities to have one. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's not a foolproof uh, solution. I talk actually a lot about the wall in my book uh, when dealing with part about Mexico and with Canada. Uh, but it's a start, you know, because it would make it that much more difficult for people to get across. Uh, the other thing we need to do is, um, and I think we're doing a pretty good job of that, is folks that um, need a visa to come in here, we need to continue with the kind of screening that we have. I think our consular officers overseas do a really good job with that. Uh, a bit biased since I used to do that kind of work myself, but um, I think they generally do a good job with that and making sure that the uh, intelligence sharing with friendly countries is going on. And uh, the other thing is not second-guess the president when he introduces measures uh, related to our national security. When President Trump, as you remember at the beginning of his administration, when he 
called for additional screening for uh, people coming from certain countries of concern. And these were countries of concern that he didn't invent. I mean, they were countries of concern even during the Obama administration. Everyone said, well, that's racist. You know, uh, we need to put a stop to that. And it was tied up in endless litigation, fortunately, which has been resolved in the Trump administration's favor. Um, but we don't need to hamstring the executive since it is the executive that is responsible for our foreign policy. Danny, tell me, I'm just going to let you take over the show. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason for me to be here today. Uh, Danny Toma, the author of America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine, and, of course, as we told you, a retired foreign service officer for the U.S. Department of State. Who's the boss of that right now? That'd be the Secretary of State, so Pompeo, Mike Pompeo. Okay, uh -huh. all right. I want to make sure that uh, we, we give them plenty. Who'd you work for I, most well, recently? Well, most recently, let's see, who, 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 who would be the last one? Um, John Kerry? Yeah, probably John Kerry. Okay. I, I retired under John Kerry. How's John so. doing these days? Uh, well, you know, he's been uh, kind of off doing stuff um, he probably shouldn't be doing. Okay. Um, you know, this. Um, uh, let's put it this way. If a Republican former Secretary of State was out under trying to undermine policies that President Obama was had put in place, it would be front page news that we would be hearing about all the time. And the outcry and the outrage would be justifiably quite loud. Um, somehow there's different rules that apply to our Democratic colleagues. So. Well, Danny's book is America First. If I had to pen a book, and I should write a book, it would be the South First. <laughs> so kind of you and I marrying our two ideas together, what is the South? How knowledgeable is the rest of the world on Dixie? Do they know about our history, our culture and such? Um, probably not that much, although these days compared at the at the sort of the trashing of our history that goes around in this country uh, our history may, meaning the south in the south uh, maybe 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 their knowledge is better than some of our uh, american brethren uh, seem to understand um i know that the, you know at least in uh, in recent years there have been um folks that have seen parallels really? in the southern history and their own history and it, it was something that you mentioned earlier about italy i served uh, most of my um, Italian uh, career in, in, in southern Italy, I actually studied in Italy before coming in the Foreign Service during the summers, um, but uh, I was based out of Naples, which, of course, Naples was at one time a world capital, capital of the kingdom of the two Sicilies. Uh, I thought Oxford, Mississippi was the capital of the world at one time. <laughs> yeah. um, well, they always said, uh, I remember having here a former mayor that said that Oxford is scientifically provable to be the center of the universe. Okay. And the way you can do that is if you go to the square at noon every day, you'll notice that the sun passes right over the courthouse. But anyway, um, in terms of, of, of Italy, um, you had a kingdom in the south of Italy, kingdom of the two Sicilies, capital in Naples, that was the wealthiest um, of all the Italian kingdoms. You know, for those of you all don't realize, there was no such place as Italy before 1861. It was just a geographic expression. There were a number of different kingdoms there. So they had this kingdom, and this kingdom was demonized as being backwards, as being uh, not culturally up to snuff. Um, and they were invaded by forces from northern Italy, from Piedmont, out of Turin. Always from the north. Yep. Forces always coming from the north. Forcibly of next. And ever And their wealth was taken away. And ever since then, they went from being the wealthiest part of that peninsula to the poorest part of the peninsula. So obviously there's a lot of different um, 
things going on here and a lot of different issues uh, that uh, involve. But there's, there are definitely some historical parallels, not to mention the fact is when did this happen? This happened in 1861. Really? So yes, it was. Uh, so, uh, you know, there you have it. And one of the, one of the leaders of the, this forcible annexation was a guy by the name of Giuseppe Garibaldi, um, whom at least according to some reports, was considered um, being offered a command in the Union Army, so which uh, he apparently turned down. Really, and, and why, how does the rest of the world? I mean, they do like certain parts of the South. I know here in Mississippi, for example, it seems like the people that are most rabid blues fans come from England and Europe and Germany too, Germany and, and the Netherlands especially. Uh, and, and even people living in Mississippi don't care that much about the blues. You know, that's a f funny thing. I mean, uh, I, I've run across um, well Germany in particular. I mean, Germans. Uh, one th one thing that as sort of you might say as a national trait is when they're interested in something, they're very intense about it. <laughs> really. Um, <laughs> and I remember a fellow. One time, uh, who was applying for a visa? Germans, like a lot of Europeans, don't need visas to come to the United States for periods of up to ninety days for tourism or business. But if they're staying longer, they gotta they gotta go get a visa. Yeah. And this guy come in and he had put down on his application that he was going for two years. It's like, well, this does not look like a good case because you figure you know someone's coming for two years as a tourist is really coming to work. Did you say when he came in, I need to see your paperwork? Well, <laughs> something like that. When we were talking, papers, please. And I asked him, I said, What's, what, why are you going for two years? He said, well, actually, I only expect to be in the United States about four months. He said, what I'm doing is I'm flying to, I think, to the Yukon. And he was going to ride his bicycle from there. In Alaska. To the tip of Chile in South America and figured it would take him about two years. And uh, so, you know, Germans, when they, when they get in their head to do something, they, they, they go whole hog, you know, so, uh, so there you have it. But anyway. Um, Even Germans could be knuckleheads. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I've run into a lot of people overseas and um, mentioned Mississippi. And, yeah, they'll talk about the blues, for instance. Or um, sometimes you get William Faulkner, too, you know, people who are, have more of a literary uh, background. Who just celebrated what would have been his birthday. That's right. Maybe 125? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, it was uh, just, yes, yes uh, let's see, the 25th, so yeah, whenever yeah. that was. So. Um, so, but the one thing I do notice, um, and I always consider this a great thing, and, uh, um, and I don't know what the, whether this is attributable to our education system here in this country or the education system overseas, but sometimes when I've traveled in different parts of the United States, and they say where you're from in Mississippi. Sometimes you get this look, oh, Mississippi. Mm. Uh -huh. And, you know, maybe with some sort of sarcastic remark or, or maybe they're not being sarcastic. Whereas when I was overseas, I said I was from Mississippi. People were fascinated by that. They knew what it was? They knew what it was. And it, uh, at least they'd heard of the river. You know, they knew it was. <laughs> but, 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 but what struck me was there wasn't this negativity. There was this fascination. They wanted to know more. If I would have said I was from South Carolina, would they have known where that was? Probably they'd heard of the you know they had heard of the Carolinas anyway. Okay. What you about know? Georgia? They know Atlanta. I guess. Probably they know Atlanta. Tennessee? You know? Did they know the state, or did they know Memphis and Nashville? Or? I don't know. I you know Mississippi. I like to think um, is uh, particularly special, uh, okay. which is why they 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 know it more maybe yeah, than some of the other a, states. It's got a pretty good name, I guess. <laughs> Mississippi. But no, I, I, that that really struck me is how people they were fascinated with Mississippi and wanted to know more, whereas some of you know, some people I've met in other parts of the United States who've never been here. Yes. Reacted negatively. Don't you hate that? I do. You know, I had a guy. I had, you know, this is okay. This is twenty years ago, but still, 
It's 20 years And ago. I know if you're listening to us beyond Mississippi, the same applies to you. Yeah. There are people in other parts of the country who really don't, it doesn't matter where you live in the South. You could even live in a place like Florida or Texas. They think you're, you're a country bumpkin. I, well, you know, or, or they, uh, I had a guy, this was a, a supposedly college-educated guy in a very responsible position. And I told him I was from Mississippi, and I, as I always do, I always invite people to come and come and see Mississippi. You know, I like for people y'all to come, come and visit. Y'all come, <laughs> and um, and this fella who was uh, he was an Italian American. I remember that, and he said, "Well, would it be safe for me?" And I kind of looked at him like he'd grown a second head because I honestly had no idea what he was talking about. Was he talking about crime? Was he talking, you know, because you know, usually people don't think about Mississippi when they think about high crime or anything like that. And he had it in his head, someone had drilled into him that since he wasn't, you know, blonde hair and blue eyed, that somehow he'd be lynched coming down here or something like that. And we're talking about 1990s when this happened. So, um, you know, we already had things like the Internet at that time. Uh, and so I... I, I there's a lot of myths out there that die really hard if they die at all. Amazing. Danny Toma is our guest, which Toma is what kind of name? It's Romanian, actually. Romanian, yeah, okay. My, my dad's side of the family. Right. Uh, a Romanian safe in Mississippi? Uh, Romanians are perfectly safe in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, all of the Romanians who are listening now, I, I would encourage you here. You might be hard-pressed to find some sarmale here, which is Romanian stuffed cabbage. But, um, but other than that, you'll have a good time. All right. And by the way, Toma is spelled for all of our audience who don't understand what I'm saying when I say Danny Toma, T-O-M-A. That's right. Is that how it originally was from Romania? It's always been. Toma is Romanian for Thomas. Ah. Yeah. Danny Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) We got Danny Thomas on the show today on the call show. All right. That leaves us a good spot to take a break. When we come back, hey, we'll keep the laughs coming. We're going to talk about Ole Miss football. All right. (laughs) This is the Y'all Show with John Rawls. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than $0.02 per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1313 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1313. We're back at Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. I'm John Raw, your host, joined by Danny Toma, our special co-host here on the program. And Danny's book, America First, is out there right now for you to check out and get a good read in before Saturday. College football games going on all over the place. We've got some good college football fans here in the audience. Colonel Jones, by the way, I've got to point you out. I've got to embarrass you here. I love his shirt. And I didn't know you were so progressive. He's got a shirt promoting LGBT. And I, I just got to give him – I need to take a picture of that and put it on our Twitter account. Tell what the word I'll is. tell him what it is. It's LGBT he, – he's celebrating LGBT pride, but it's not maybe what you think. The L stands for liberty, and it's got a Statue of Liberty there. The G is for guns, and help me, is that an AK-47? What is that? Do we know? No, that's probably uh, 
Okay, I'm not a gun guy. I'm just a son of a gun. The B in the LGBT is for beer. Now, I could get behind that one. We got thumbs up all over the place for that one. And the T, Danny, perfect for you. The, the T in LGBT on his shirt is for Trump. There you go. All right. Only in the South can you find something like that. And I like it. He's coming out. He's coming out with his LGBT shirt here. That's the kind of thing we put. We have a fun thing three times a week on the Y'all Show called the hashtag hullabaloo. And there's no, you're not on social media, Colonel Jones, but you should be. There's so much craziness that you can find. It literally comes into your lap. And I talk about the things I discover on social media on the Y'all Show, most of which are Southern related. People, for example, uh, this week on the show, we talked about something that I had heard of but didn't really know exactly what it was. And maybe, Colonel Jones, you're a fan of this, elderberries. Have you ever had oh, yeah. elderberry wine? Elder- had el- my, my, my grandmother used to make elderberry jelly. Okay. Well, that, go up in the mountains. And she I, I really had yeah. not been that exposed to elderberries. We talked about that in hashtag hullabaloo. There, there's no telling what we're going to talk about here on the Y'all Show. Well, on Thursdays on the Y'all Show, we like to talk SEC football. We talk some SEC sports as this weekend, the lineup for – Games in the conference, Alabama, number one of the team in the country. They've got an early kickoff this week. They have the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette coming to Bryant-Denny Stadium. Arkansas and Texas A&M get together at Arlington at Jerry World. The Georgia Bulldogs, man, they look intense. They are hosting Tennessee between the hedges this weekend. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles to the top. They travel to Auburn in a game at Jordan-Hare Stadium. The Battle of Nashville takes place this week as the Tennessee State Tigers go a couple of blocks away to play the Vanderbilt Commodores. How about this? The Dan Mullen Bowl is taking place <laughs> in Starkville as Mississippi State welcomes in Coach Mullen and the Florida Gators. That's a big game in Starkville this weekend. The Kentucky Wildcats, they look impressive. They're 4-0. Can they go to 5-0? and Well, the Gamecocks of South Carolina want to do something about that. They've had, I think, a five-year losing streak to Kentucky in football. And Will Muschamp takes his Gamecocks to Lexington for a game this weekend. And then the last game of the weekend in the SEC happens on a Saturday night in Death Valley as LSU, number five in the country, coached by Ed Orgeron, (laughs) welcomes in your alma mater, Danny, the Ole Miss, and one of my alma maters, too, to a big game for LSU and a rivalry game. I call it the Billy Cannon Classic. We were kidding between the break here is you can't help but escape that film every year for 70 years or however long it's been since that game was played in 59. Billy Cannon running that punt back for a touchdown, giving LSU a champion or, or win that night. They didn't win the bowl game later that year. Nobody ever talks about that. But again, this year's game means something very special since it's the first game without Billy Cannon as he passed away back, I think, in May. Mm. And they're dedicating a statue. Our our crack research team here has told me about that here at the Y'all Show. So a Billy Cannon statue. I wonder if it'll have fake money attached to it (laughs) as he got uh, sent off to jail one time for counterfeit. But Ole Miss goes down there with Matt Luke looking to get a win. And we're going to talk about the Rebels now, and Danny's had a chance to see, I guess, the home games in Oxford. Yeah, seeing the home game. I mean, watch the others. Watch the others on TV. But uh, um, yeah, they you know, offense looks really good. I think uh, Jordan Tamu is is probably as impressive a quarterback as we've had in some time. Man, do we need some help on the defense, though? But you got a land shark defense there. Well, you know, I find it ironic that uh, when the, the the same year that we ado- adopted the the land shark as a mascot, 
at least officially speaking. Although I didn't see a lot of land sharks in the grove, to be honest. Saw a lot of Colonel Rebels out there. Um, but uh, it seems that uh, at least on the on-field mascot has been decreed to be the land shark. Named after our much-vaunted defense, which seems not to be that vaunted this year. It was vaunted in 2008 when the name was created, but it really hadn't been that great since that time. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. Um, We, you know, we more or less dominated that game against Kent State, but, you know, it's Kent State. Um, I I was sitting up in the stadium, and there was a group of about five Kent State fans sitting up between my – behind my dad and, and myself there. And they all had these Kent State T-shirts on, and yep. on the back of it, it had uh, it said Kent State, the official punching bag of the SEC, and then it had all the scores of <laughs> Kent State against the SEC champions. And um, while we weren't too much in danger of losing that game, I mean it was thirty-eight to seventeen. It was not, you know, it was not the smackdown yeah. compared to previous Kent State games against other SEC teams, and a lot of that I think has to do with the defense. Uh, I just hope. A little bit more of the defense shows up down there in Baton Rouge. Otherwise, it could be an ugly night. Yeah. Well, going back to the Kent State game from last weekend, which was held at Vault-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, I kind of dubbed that Ole Miss is not supposed to be going to a bowl game this year. They've still Mm -hmm. got some NCAA things they've got to work out between Ole Miss and the NCAA. But I said they did go to a bowl game. They went to the riot slash massacre bowl <laughs> yes. when they played Kent State because yeah. Kent State had the awful massacre back That's in the it. Vietnam days, and Ole Miss had a riot, a deadly riot yeah. in 1962. So I often the teams that have those kind of violence happening on their campus get together on a gridiron. Well, that's what happened last week. But Ole Miss does go to take on LSU. LSU's looking really good. Coach O, his team, of course, beating Miami in the opening weekend, and then they went to Jordan-Hare and won recently. And – this game means a lot to him. Yeah, you know, and it's it's one of those kind of things. I mean, I'm not going to come out. I'm I, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm not going to make any predictions right now. I mean, oh, come on. I, I mean, as as an Ole Miss alum, I'm going to have to pay. I'm going to have to play the um, the uh, the Katy Perry in the room and say I'm going to. I think Ole Miss is going to pull this one out. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is not just because I'm an alum. Because if I tell you that I think LSU is going to win, nobody's going to remember that. But if Ole Miss pulls up the upset, they're going to come back and say, Danny Thomas said it first. He really knew something that none of us, the rest of us, knew. So, And that could be your follow-up book to That's America right. First. <laughs> exactly. Danny Toma, football <laughs> expert of the world. <laughs> yes. But Explain, Have you had to explain college football to other parts of the world? A little bit. You know, it's funny. Um, my, uh, I, I've actually uh, been involved as much in, in, in another sport because um, – from the time we were living in Ireland, my boys got involved in rugby. So all three of my boys played for Ole Miss rugby. By the way, I'm going to put in a pitch for Ole Miss rugby yeah. here. Um, 11.30 a.m. Uh, here in Oxford, Mississippi, out on the intramural fields. Uh, there will be Ole Miss's first home rugby game of the season. What day? And that's this coming Saturday. Uh, with the 20, what is that, the 29th? Um, 11.30 a.m., the intramural fields. Uh, we'll be playing Mississippi State. Oh, so, cool. yeah, so it's a, the mini egg bowl here, the rugby egg bowl. And in fact, it's it's much more of an egg bowl because that rugby ball is much looks a lot, whole lot more like a that football on the egg bowl statue anyway than the modern football does. But uh, come out and support the Ole Miss Rebels um, in playing against Mississippi State this Saturday. Um, so we, you know, I've I've been 
caught up in the rugby. Like I said, all three of my boys have played on the Ole Miss rugby team. Uh, I actually played a little bit on the rugby team during my time here. Um, we, um, you know, you got to be absolutely nuts to play rugby, right? Well, yeah. You, well, the other thing is, it takes a lot of time. I went out there. I played one game, and interesting enough, it was against State. Really? And we played down in Starkville, um, and I liked it, but I didn't love it. And the thing about it is, I decided I could either play rugby, or I could do everything else. And I opted for everything else. <laughs> um, so my, my boys, uh, they all they all have one of them can't play anymore due to an injury, but the others, uh, I got two still on the team. Um, but um, yeah, I've had to explain it. American football a little bit. You know, if you, when you go overseas, you always have to preface it by saying American football because if you say football uh-huh. overseas, they assume you're talking about soccer. Um, and so uh, you gotta, you got to preface this. And, yeah, it's, it's a sport that not a lot of people know about, but you do have pockets of American football being played all over. You know, um, several years ago, John Grisham wrote a really good book called Playing for Pizza which is really a fun read mm-hmm. and it talks about the you know about these guys in Italy with the American Football League there in Italy which really exists um, and so you've got these little pockets of fans everywhere that they play when we were in Germany uh, when we were in Berlin and they had an American football club out there I don't remember the name of them off the top of my head but um, you know a lot of times it would be these um, you know folks who never played professionally uh, they'd have a lot of always have a they always have a limit in the number of Americans they can have on the team because, you know, yeah. they, uh, be mostly German, you know, younger, middle-aged guys. and But a few Americans who maybe played high school or college football or JUCO football and overseas for something and want to put on the pads again. So, But uh, there's a small but very devoted following overseas. But most, yeah, you're right. Most people overseas have no idea what it's all about. And good timing here because the – current NFL Defensive Player of the Week, at least for the NFC, it may be for the entire league, is a native African hmm. who plays for the Carolina Panthers. He learned to play football while living in England. Huh, interesting. So, I did not know yeah, that. So there we have it. Danny Tomlin, I'm teaching you something Absolutely. Here. I'm learning. Here I am. <laughs> I should know his name. It's a, one of those names that doesn't sound like Toma, but <laughs> Well, here at the Y'all Show, we trace our roots to this show doing some syndicated radio back to in 2005 we started a show in ed orgeron's first year as the old miss coach mm. we started a show called hottie toddy hotline and we syndicated that across the state of mississippi and it's still going now in its 14th year wow and i've had the dubious distinction of uh, hosting that show from time to time well ac roberts is hosting hottie toddy hotline right now good old miss guy and this week on the show, he had on a guy named TJ LSU Dad, who is a LSU homer. I guess you can kind of figure that out based on his moniker. And these these two kind of got you ready for the big game coming up Saturday night in Death Valley. And we're going to go listen in to a little portion of this week's Hotty Toddy Hotline. To watch that 1959 game, they always got to show that <laughs> – that 1959 footage of the kickoff oh, return. Oh, you know, Yes. Who cares yeah, I about I do it just because. <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying. I'm like, you know, and they never showed the bowl game when the rematch and Ole Miss won. They never want to talk about the bowl game, the Sugar Bowl. It drives me crazy. Man, I, I, you know, every year around this time, I just haven't posted it yet, but I actually have the video, you know, I, I dust it off, <laughs> I blow the dust off it, man, and I play it, because <laughs> I know 
it triggers something in Ole Miss. Man, your eyes roll all across the country. <laughs> Every Ole Miss fan when we play that video. Well, you know, not only did not only did we lose the game, but I think he broke fifteen tackles. I think two guys had more than one shot at him. So, man, I told I asked one guy. I said, "Why does this bother you so bad? You wasn't even alive at the time." <laughs> he said, "But my parents were. Yeah. That's where I came in the world not liking that play." <laughs> They keep. I don't know why. I don't know why they have to play it. You know. I guess that's why people care because they just have to keep showing it year after year after year. Yeah. But man, I tell you, there's been some great games through the years. Uh, one one guy I wanted to mention uh, to you it, that's still a big part of uh, the New Orleans culture now is uh, Deuce McAllister. Boy. He, oh yeah. Uh, Oh he, yeah, uh, he had some great games. I was telling you offline about the was it ninety nine? I think yeah, when, when yeah, he ninety eight, ninety nine year. He Deuce, we own Deuce is ours. You know yeah. how you guys have taken the Mannings from us. You know, <laughs> Deuce is ours. We've claimed him as our own. You know, because of the, all of those years with the Saints, and he's just you know he's just one of those high character. You know, really in the community, he's always been that way since you know since he left Ole Miss. And came to the Saints and all throughout now. So he's just one of those guys that, you know, it's just, it's just been a blessing to the entire city. So we thank you for Deuce. <laughs> Fun stuff there from the Hotty Toddy Hotline from CRM Sports, our sister company there. And that is a weekly show all about Ole Miss. You can go to crmsports.com and discover more of that show as well as all the other CRM Sports shows produced for college teams across the Southeast. Danny Toma is our guest on this show, and he's also a co-host here on the Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to finish up this special edition of the Y'all Show from Oxford, Mississippi, and we're going to talk more about Danny's brand new book, America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine. That's ahead on the Y'all Show. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. And welcome back to the final segment of this Thursday, y'all, with John Rawl on location in Oxford, Mississippi, with our special co-host, Danny Toma, author of the hot new book, Flying Off the Bookshelves, America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine. And we're glad to be here talking with you, Danny. And I got a special treat here during the break as my great eight-year-old son, Knowlton, who I'm not going to let get a microphone because <laughs> he will take over the show, but he's joined me. I haven't seen this booger for a couple of weeks, so it's good to see him. One of the uh, advantages of being in Oxford is to hang out with this old rascal. Let's wrap up talking with you more about your book. And uh, I guess what led you to actually write this book? Yeah, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, w- I was the, the idea that Trump did not have any first guiding principles was just simply not the case, even though that people were telling us that was so. Um, looking at Donald Trump, what he was proposing both as a candidate and then later as president, 
he, what he was doing was doing nothing more than bringing us back to the uh, foreign policy that our founding fathers bequeathed to us. And so writing this book, I want to explain that what Trump was doing is a radical departure only from the past couple of generations of president, but is right in the tradition of this country. And one of the things that made our country the great nation it is getting back to that idea that our foreign policy should serve American interests first and foremost. And so this is a book designed for people who maybe are a little skeptical of the media. Now, I have to say, if you believe everything that the New York Times writes, then maybe this book is not for you. If you have some skepticism about the, the mainstream media, then you might like what I have to write. But there's a lot of history in there. We go back and talk about... Um, the kind of America first foreign policy that presidents like Washington and Jefferson uh, uh, all the way up through Grover Cleveland and into to uh, Calvin Coolidge uh, uh, proposed and um, how we kind of got off the track there and how hopefully this president is getting us back on. Danny Toma, who wrote this book, America First, a retired for foreign service officer for the U.S. Department of State. He's been retired now four years after 22 years on the job and just a fantastic book and he's been all over the place we're actually lucky to have you on today's y'all show because you've done like three to five interviews a day it seems like been doing a book. lot of them it's, it's uh, been on uh, gosh from all over the country everything from am radio to fm radio to satellite radio and the whole thing um been having a lot of fun doing it um talking about the book talking about the issues of the day promoting my book of course yeah uh and uh, that's always good and uh, if, uh, if it gets me a couple more copies sold, then I'm really happy about it. Well, I, I know I heard one of your recent interviews you did on Breitbart with mm -hmm. Kurt Schilling, the right. former Major League yeah. Baseball pitcher, has yeah. got a show, and you were on there, and you I did a great there. job. Yeah, I had a good time with that one. Mm -hmm. So, uh, But nobody's yet asked you to come co-host a show. No, not yet. Not yet. But maybe this is a trend. Yeah, we're Who starting knows? a trend. <laughs> Well, you know, if you're a co-host, that means you don't just have to sit back and take it easy and answer questions. Maybe you need to fire a question or two, so... Danny Toma? Oh, my the, goodness. The well, floor I, is yours. The floor is mine to ask questions. Uh, deep, dark, personal ones. Can I just sort of throw out everything? You can there? ask. I don't have to answer. <laughs> well, you know, I know that you, you had mentioned a little bit uh, about, about the show. And, of course, I've, I've listened on there. I understand we're beaming to uh, Jackson, Tennessee, and beyond. Right. Uh, where, do you, where, where, how do you, where do you see this show going out to, say, a year from now and then five years from now? Well, one of the reasons uh, we're kind of getting our, our sea legs here is because it's it's a grind, as you know from doing all these interviews, it's a grind doing a daily two-hour show, as we do here on the Y'all Show each and every day. And we're not blessed by having some major corporation behind us and giving us, by the way, we got a gallery here. Why don't we take up a collection plate while, <laughs> while we're thinking about it here? Uh, patrons, uh, <laughs> let's, have your, let's have your donations right yeah. now. But no, I, I love doing it, but it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's almost half of a day spent getting this show done. So my goal is to make it as big, just like the fair. I want it to be bigger and better every year. Well, every day I want the Y'all Show to be bigger and better. And there's a void for a sort of show like this that talks about the South. Mm -hmm. And I love radio. I love, I love television, too. And frankly, if you listen to radio these days, especially on the talk side of things, it's either Trump's wonderful, and that's all you're going to get, or Trump's terrible, and that's all you get, but there's really not much else. And I like, I like Trump, so you know, you've got a customer here talking about your book, 
but I don't like him that much. I don't want to hear Donald Trump every day, all day long. And so the y'all show is kind of that escape from Trump or whoever else would have been in office. It's not just about Trump, but we are a show that uplifts the South. And, you know, we had a magazine called Y'all for seven years. It was all over the Southeast. And about this, this show is kind of an extension of what was in the printed magazine. And we're all about promoting the South. And we're going to ultimately, Danny, if you know how to do this, please tell me. We're going to ultimately have this where it could be on Facebook Live or in other visual forums so people can watch the show. And I think it'll become viral. If you give people a good quality show and it's fun and informative, that's our objective here with Y'all Show. So can it be all over the South? Yes. Can it be all over the country? Hopefully. Can it be in Poland and all these other places you've lived? Well, maybe. So um, today, Jackson, Tennessee, tomorrow the South, and then the world, huh? Yes. Maybe one day, if we're lucky, we'll get to a place called Takapola, <laughs> which we got the storyteller from Takapola waiting in the wings, and we're going to have him on Monday show, Jerry Short, who is the teller of tales on the Y'all Show each Monday. Oh, he he comes like on. One. He's one of the highlights of our show. He comes on, and he talks about the South and his experiences, and he's always got wonderful stories. Not quite as good as yours, <laughs> well, I don't but know. his are more just kind of centered in the South. Yours are worldwide, but but we'll have Jerry on Monday, and you know, we, we just want to have a good show. That's our whole purpose here. Well, of course, you know, uh, if uh, if you start going where people can actually watch the show, that means we'll have to put on trousers and stuff. That's right. <laughs> well, that's actually one of the ways we hope to make money off this show is to be able to go on location two places, main, mainly in the South, of course. But I'd love for Destin, Florida to welcome us in when they need people to come down there. Us, you know, we, we'd go on location down there, go to Gatlinburg, Smokies, go to some of these college football towns, promoting tourism. We're all about the South, from Texas to Virginia, from Florida to Missouri, the 16 states where they say y'all. Well, that's what we do here on the Y'all Show, and I appreciate you asking such a great question. Well, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, can I get one more out of you, or two, do I need to flip the script? All right. So uh, if you had to, you know, I've been up to Jackson, Tennessee a few times. Um, not many times, but I've been up there a few times, and uh, especially sometimes coming back from Nashville, it's always a good stop there if you come take that route. So if someone's coming up to see you in Jackson, Tennessee, where do they need to go eat? Well, they need to go to a good restaurant. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you where to go. <laughs> but you have your own experience. You went to a place. I do. There. You know, I, um, yeah, I've been, of course, Jackson, Tennessee, well known for, for Casey Jones Village and the whole mm -hmm. story of Casey Jones. A great place to stop. And um, one day, I mean, the last I hadn't been there in years, and I remembered it being good. But sometimes, you know. It's only a two-hour drive, Danny. That's right. Well, sometimes you remember things, you know, at least with me, I remember that was a great place to eat. You know, and I ate, because I ate there when I was 18 years old. But, you know, your palate changes from yeah. 18. So sometimes I found places I go back to that, you know, when I was a teenager that maybe not as good as I remember them. But I, I remember, I would go, last time I was up in Jackson, Tennessee a few years ago, and I went to Casey Jones Village, and I said, well, I'm going to go down and have that buffet. You know, I can't go wrong with a buffet. But most time when you go to a buffet, it's really all about the the quantity and not the quality. But I was really impressed with the buffet there at Casey Jones Village, and in fact, stopped one of the servers there and asked her. I said, "You know, they, these, these, it was remember it was during the summertime and the tomatoes that they had on there. I said these are these are not store bought tomatoes. These are good." Yeah. 
And I asked her, and she said, sure enough, that they grow the vegetables right out there in the back there for a lot of them and, and serve them. And you could really tell. And um, that was a couple of years ago. I mean, I, may, I mean, literally a couple of years ago, two, yeah. maybe three. And so I assume it's just as good as it was, but um, i definitely go back. It's good. It's darn good. In fact, let me be an inspiration for you here, Danny. When I lived in Oxford, this was roughly five years ago when this boy sitting right here, my son Knowlton, was into trains like most kids are. We went on a one-day vacation to Jackson, Tennessee, and we went to the Casey Jones Village, and we had lunch there, and it was a great experience. And this boy loaded up on Thomas the Train, and and all was well. Well, I went back in there not long ago to Casey Jones, to the Dixie Cafe, and the man that is in charge of the place, his name is Clark Shaw. And I introduced myself, and I told him who I was. He goes, oh, I've met you before. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this guy talking about? He said, no, no, you were in here a couple years ago with your wife, and y'all had a kid, which was this fella, and you were wearing a y'all hat. <laughs> and I was like, this guy, needs to, he needs to go to work for the <laughs> Secretary of State, because what a memory. Wow. But he, he was absolutely right. Impressive. I had met him because he saw my y'all hat, mm-hmm. which you can, by the way, by the way, buy at y'all.com, and we just uh, sent one out to Mountain Brook, Alabama, the other day. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a great place, great people. At Casey Jones Village, which actually the old country store there was the inspiration for Cracker Barrel. I did not know yes. that. Yes, so I did not know the that. The people that started Cracker Barrel went there to kind of look around and see how to do it, and had a gentleman's agreement not to put a Cracker Barrel in Jackson, Tennessee, for decades, and and they didn't. So uh, yeah, appreciate you uh, plugging Jackson. Have we plugged your book enough? Well, I can always plug it more. I mean, you know, we could we could. Uh, of course, it's America First, understanding the Trump doctrine. Go to your local bookstore and see if they have it because uh, you need to support your local bookstore. If they don't have it or can't get it for you, it is available online. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Walmart. Uh, if you want a signed copy, get in touch with Square Books here in Oxford, Mississippi, squarebooks.com. They've got them a supply of signed books, signed about a 100 of them uh, right when we came out. So they still got some in stock there. You can stop by the store here in Oxford or... Or go to squarebooks.com, and they'll send you one right away, provided and a, you pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> a few minutes ago, I heard you mention John Grisham, mm-hmm. who, hey, how about this? You're in an elite fraternity now. You and Grant, John Grisham are Oxford authors. Well, I suppose I suppose that uh, that is. It still seems funny. You and know, Faulkner, too. I guess we've got to put That's true. Faulkner, in. too. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, well, I mean, he, he won a Nobel Prize. I, I, I guess, you know, that makes him an author there. Um, no, I, I actually worked at the Faulkner House uh, out at Roanoke uh, when I was here that? in school. I was assistant curator out there for five years. But uh, so been exposed to the whole Oxford uh, literary scene. Um, I don't won't necessarily put my book in, in that same category, but um, we will. It's you know, it's funny having people come up to you and say, oh, I understand you're a writer. And my first reaction is like, well, well, no, not at all. But I guess since I have a book and it's been published and people are buying it, maybe that really does make me one. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Toma, the book is America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine. And it's out on, help me again, written. Uh, a Regnery Press. Regnery. Yeah, I, I Regnery Press. I don't know yeah. where that name comes from. I should probably know you that. Should but they're, they're based in Washington, D.C. Um, it's a conservative publishing house. Uh, they publish some other people you might have heard of, people like uh, Newt Gingrich and Denise D'Souza yeah. and uh, yeah, Ann Coulter. So um, cool. Win pretty good company there. And Danny, again, is a retired Foreign Service Officer for the U.S. Department of State, and he's been our special co-host here on the Y'all Show. 
and we thank you for coming on and as we broadcast from the Pizza Den in Oxford, Mississippi. Go have you some enjoyed good pizza. It. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. And America first for Danny and President Trump and the South first here on the Y'all Show. That's right. We're all about y'all. Well, tune in on the Friday, y'all. We'll have our usual look at the headlines. We'll have hashtag hullabaloo. And Mr. Knowlton Raw, what also comes on the Y'all Show on Fridays? Me. No. <laughs> no. What's that other little feature called? General Gridiron. General Gridiron. This is General Junior Gridiron right here with me. <laughs> and that's our fun look at the weekend's college football games. And that'll be on the Friday edition of y'all that we're excited to bring to you tomorrow. So until that time, have a great rest of your day and evening. And we'll be back here with you on great stations across the Southland. Danny Toma, once again, our special guest, the book, America First, Understanding the Trump Doctrine. Until tomorrow, have a great y'all day. <laughs>